Compassion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxas. Crosswinds family, we're typically working our way through the book of Genesis. But today we're going to do something a little different. Uh, we're going to step away from our regular teaching in Genesis, and we're going to focus on uh, just, I just want to share with you what is the mission here at Crosswinds Church, and also what is our vision for the next five years. Now, some of you are going, oh, that sounds like a business meeting. Shouldn't that be on like a Tuesday night at some obscure time so no human beings would actually come there? And that, if I made it a business meeting, that's exactly what would happen. Nobody would be there. Uh, but see... Our mission at the church and our vision here at Crosswinds Church is a very spiritual thing. It's not just a business thing. And I want to make sure that everyone here knows who we are as a church and what our sights are, where we're trying to go. And I, I think most of you probably don't know much about Crosswinds history in the past. You don't know much about Crosswinds vision for the future. And if I can show you our mission... And I can show you where we've been, and I can show you where we're going. I can invite you to get on board and get us there. And I'm going to be real uh, honest with you right up front that at the end of this message, I am going to challenge every single one of us to put our shoulder to the wheel, to work together here at Crosswinds Church to make our vision for the future happen. Because it is so incredibly important that the good news of Jesus Christ is proclaimed in our community, in our region, and around the world. So, uh, it's a real simple outline this morning, and you can, I'll just tell you what we're going to do. The first thing is I'm going to explain to you the mission of our church. Secondly, I'm going to show you how that mission has created and crafted the programs here at Crosswinds in the past. Then thirdly, I'm going to show you how it set our vision for the future. And fourthly and finally, I am going to invite you to get involved and give you specific ways that you can get on board. So let's dive right in in your outlines. What is Crosswind's mission? Now, many of you, if you're new, you have like, I have no idea what the mission is of the church. I don't even know where to find it. Well, we made it like really open and really apparent and obvious. The mission of the church is in the foyer, it is above the doors, and you'll see it every single time you walk into this worship center. And it is this, passion for God, compassion for our neighbor, and reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Just to, so you understand, those are not just words on the wall. But the way it works here at Crosswinds is they guide our programs. Now, how many deer hunters do we have? Deer hunters? There's one in the back row. I see him right there. Yeah, deer hunters. What you do before you go out and shoot your deer is you go and take your gun to the rifle range, don't you? Well, at least if you're using a 30 out 6 like I do. Not those big, long, you know, shotguns. You take it to the rifle range and you sight it in to make sure it's on target before you pull the trigger. Because if it's not sighted in, you can shoot at that deer, but you're never going to hit it. This mission statement is what we use to sight in all of our programs and efforts here at Crosswinds Church. 
It's what we use as leadership. Is this going to build our passion for God? Is this going to help us extend compassion to our neighbor? Will this help us reach our region and beyond with the good news? If it's not helping us in those directions, maybe we shouldn't be doing it to be considered trimming it. But this is very important. Now, what I want to do is I want to work our way through this statement, explaining it to you in more depth. And to do that, I'd like to build that little section around a key word. The key word is this, generous. This statement is built around generosity, and it's based upon God's generosity towards us. So let's begin by diving in with that. Passion for God is built around the fact that we have an incredibly generous God. We want to be a church that is passionate for God, and in particular is passionate for His Son, Jesus Christ. We want to understand and grow in the comprehension of all that God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Now, you need to understand, if you are going to grow in your comprehension of what God has done for you through Jesus Christ, the way you do that is you open this book and you teach from this book. In fact, the Bible says that the only way spiritual change takes place is through God's Word. You know, think of Hebrews where it says God's Word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. That this Word is alive. In fact, it says also in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says this, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and abiding Word of God. How is someone born again? Through the Word of God, whether that is as they read it personally or whether it is preached from this pulpit. When we preach and teach the Word of God, spiritual life takes place. And it says here the Word of God is not perishable seed, but it is imperishable seed. Now, I need to talk to the farmers here because I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a city boy, not a farmer guy. But from what I understand, and farmers can confirm if this is true, that when you have seed, you sort of date that seed. And the older the seed gets, the less quality the seed is and less likely it is to have a successful germination. Is that true or not? And my farmer guys are going like this. So I'm safe. Good. Well, what this text is saying is the Word of God is not like perishable seed. In other words, it is just as effective at creating spiritual life today as it was 2,000 years ago when it was given. Isn't that an amazing statement? That this Word is still 100% potent for saving lives. Not only that... But it also says this, that where spiritual life is not just begun by the Word of God, but it is sustained by this Word. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You need lunch today and dinner today to survive physically. And each one of us needs the Word of God regularly running through the soul of our life 
to survive spiritually. Because if this word and the meditation of this word is taken out of our life, if this word is not preached from on a weekly basis, and if you are not spending any time in this word on a daily basis, you will find yourself becoming spiritually emaciated and your thoughts and your mind and your heart drifting away from Jesus Christ. This is why that you can see as a church Every single thing about crosswinds is based on teaching this word and proclaiming this word. And I am always saying this line, keep your finger in the text. If you've been around for a while, you've heard me say that. That's why I preach consecutively, typically, through the word of God. That's why our Crosswinds University classes are about teaching the word of God or teaching how to study the word of God. That's why when you go to Awana, what are the kids memorizing in Awana? The Word of God. When you go to Crosswinds University Kids between worship services, what are your kids learning? The Word of God. When you go to youth group on a Wednesday night, what is Pastor Stephen preaching from? The Word of God. Because the Word of God is what creates spiritual life and it's what's necessary to sustain our spiritual life. And if we are going to be a church that is passionate for God, we have to keep our finger in the text. Now, here is what is interesting. When we keep our finger in the text, what happens is we don't just get more spiritual information. The Holy Spirit uses, uses God's Word to produce spiritual illumination. In other words, as we spend time in God's Word, what happens is we start to see our own sinfulness. We start to realize how sinful we are. But not only that, we start to realize how incredibly good God is to us through Jesus Christ. In fact, we could spend our entire lives studying the Word of God and we'll see things in the Old Testament and we'll see things in the New Testament about Jesus Christ that we had not noticed before that will open our eyes up to, to stretch our understanding about how incredibly good God is to us through Jesus Christ. How incredibly great Jesus Christ is beyond all of our previous comprehension. And how incredibly sinful and undeserving we are, and yet how incredibly good and kind and loving and gracious is God to us through Jesus Christ that we would be called in the book of Ephesians, the most blessed beings in the entire universe, all through Jesus. Fully deserving of God's wrath, but instead, we are used by God as a grand demonstration of the most lavish display of His undeserved mercy that will ever take place in the entire universe, forever, is us, all through Jesus. And so we spend our time in God's Word to comprehend the great generosity of our God to us through Jesus. And what that does is it stokes in our heart a great passion for God and a great passion for Jesus Christ that bubbles up within us. And that's why we keep our finger in the text. The second part of our mission statement is this. It's compassion for our neighbor, or what I would like to call generous living. Many of us know this, uh, this line from Jesus. He says, what's the greatest commandment? 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. What's the second greatest commandment? To love your neighbor as yourself. And so loving God and loving people are intricately connected together. In fact, you cannot say you love God if you don't love people. They, they just have to happen. Now, let me explain something. Why do we love people? And why are we kind to people and gracious and generous towards them? Is it because it's the right thing to do? No. Are we kind and gracious to people because it's the good thing to do? No. Or the social kindness thing to do? No. As Christians, the Bible tells us why we love other people. It says this in 1 John 4.19, We love because He first loved us. I don't know if you realize this, but as Christians, the way we love other people is a response to how God has loved us. Because we have a God that is so incredibly gracious, so incredibly kind, and so incredibly good to us, He has loved us lavishly beyond what we deserve. The natural response of our heart is then to love other people lavishly in ways they don't deserve. Because we have a God who has forgiven us even when we have sinned again and again against Him, the natural response from us is to forgive others like God has forgiven us even after they sin against us again and again. You need to understand that the idea is we have a generous God to us through Jesus Christ. And as a response to that, we live generous lives. Generous lives where the kind of love that God has for us and the kindness that God shows to us is running through our veins and being reflected into those relationships we have around us. And people come and they say, there's something different about you. I mean, people are usually kind and nice, but how do you forgive people who are that way to you? Why are you going out of your way so much for other people? Why are you so different? And we say it's because how Jesus has loved me, I, in response, love you. Now, let me just give you the third part of this triad. Because we have a generous God to us through Jesus Christ that should lead us to have a generous life or generous living and love to other people, that should, by extension, lead us to be what I would call a generous church. And you can see that right inside of our mission statement, that because of passion for God that resulted in compassion for our neighbor, we want to reach our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Now, let me explain this. This mission statement that is the Crosswinds mission statement you'll see in the foyer on the wall predates me. I didn't write it. But I thought it was really neat how God providentially put it together. That Crosswinds has never had a single vision that has just been limited to, this, to the Spirit Lake community. Did you notice that? It says, our vision is to reach our entire region with the good news, not just our city with the good news. 
And then God, in his providence, as he assembled each one of us here in Crosswinds Church, did you notice that he assembled us from around our region, not just from in our city? Isn't this interesting how God sort of put these things together? Let me just, I, I was doing some, just some writing here. We have people that are regular members of this church. Some have even served on the board of this church. They come from as far away as Sibley, Rock Rapids, Jackson, Lakefield, Spencer, Esterville, and Armstrong. That's a long drive. People drive 40 to 60 minutes one way to come to Crosswinds Church. And you ask them, why do you come to Crosswinds that distance? And this is what they'll tell you again and again. In my town, there are churches, but either the churches aren't healthy or they don't open the Bible and just preach from the Bible. They don't have their finger in the text. And I'm hungry to learn the Word of God and find the Word of God applied to my life. And when somebody is preaching from the Word of God and the finger is in the text, I know the Holy Spirit starts working in my heart and applying things in my heart, so I will drive 40 to 60 miles to be here. But I'll tell you what we've learned. Why people may drive that distance to come here, we cannot grow a church from that distance. We have maybe one person from Rock Rapids, one person from Sibley, one person from Armstrong, but we can't reach those communities. It's just too far. And for years, we struggled with this in our vision. Okay, God, you gave us a regional vision, but how do we fulfill it? Because it's too far away. We'll talk more about the answer to that question in a few minutes. The last part of our mission is we don't want to just reach our region, but we want to reach beyond our region. We want to reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, this means our commitment to missions and to sending out missionaries. And I'm not going to dive into that too much, but I'll simply say these are the, the pieces we use to calibrate the ministry of our church. Are we focusing on the generosity of our God, which in response are we helping us to live generous lives, which reflect how God has been that way to us, and then are we being a generous church which is reaching beyond ourselves to reach our region and our world? Now, let me move to the second question. How has this mission guided crosswinds in the past? Many of you will not know any of this information. Some of you have been around and will say, yeah, I recognize this information. Crosswinds Church began in 1949. In 1973, the church acquired this piece of property and they built the old sanctuary, which is down on that end. Today we call it the commons. It's been rebuilt on the inside. It's primarily used for our youth, though not exclusively used for our youth. And then, in 1981, Crosswinds began the ministry of Awana. Now let me explain to you about this. Awana was begun not just as a ministry to teach our children the Bible and to make sure that they have the Word of God so spiritual life is created and so they have the Word of God so their spiritual life is maintained. But Awana was actually created so we could be a church that is um, 
living generously and loving our neighbors and reaching our region. The hope was to be a, be a place where parents could bring their children on a Wednesday night and they could hear the Word of God, they could be under the Word of God, and we could reach the children in our region with the good news of Jesus Christ. It was a missional decision back then in 1981. And then, 10 years later, as the ministry had grown, we had this problem. We were just in the old sanctuary, but we had this really large Awana program and a, a church that had outgrown that little tiny building. And here is what the leaders did. They made a decision based on this mission that was focusing on reaching our region above just comfort for ourselves. They decided to build a gymnasium before they built a sanctuary. I don't know if you realize this, but in 1990, there was the old building and there was the gym and this big, huge green space between them. Like the gym is bigger than the old sanctuary. Why? Because we want to reach our region, and God is working through Awana. We need a place that can house more kids for Awana. We want to be true to our mission. Ten years later, after that, this building was built, and the two pieces were connected together. I came in 2008, and I remember the very first board meeting, and you're sort of wondering what the board meeting is going to be like when you're a new pastor. The news they said to me is, guess what? We have a huge debt uh, what we're essentially going to do is no ministries besides basic sustenance to make us through until this debt is paid off, and it's going to be a long time. I was like, well, that's a bummer. <laughs> Guess we're not going to be doing much ministry to try and reach our region. And we talked about that, and I said, you know what? I think we need to challenge the congregation. We need to challenge the congregation to go back to our mission that we want to be about reaching our, reaching our region. We want to be about doing some creative things to love others and tell them about Jesus Christ, and there's no room in our budget. We need to commit as a congregation to pay off the quarter million dollars in debt. And from 2008 to 2010, in two years, this congregation gave more than a quarter million dollars above and beyond their regular giving to pay off the debt on this building. And the reason that was done was so we could be true to our mission and try and funnel money now towards reaching our region, not just to build another or bigger or better sanctuary. Not about us, but about reaching others for Christ. At that time, we began to explore how we might do that. And the topic came up of becoming a multi-site church. And why were we looking into the idea of becoming a multi-site church? Let me give you a, a variety of things so you know. In the outlying communities, we found there were churches. Many of them were not healthy. And very few of them were teaching from the Bible. And we wanted the DNA of scriptural teaching from the Word of God to be something that was spread around the region, because God was bringing people in from around the region to hear that. And we, as we did the research on this, we figured multi-site seemed like a much healthier thing than planting a church and saying, I hope you guys make it. I mean, here's supplies. Hope you can swim. See you later. And as our research, we learned that when you multi-site, 
a church and open another campus, it's much more successful than it is in just planting a church. But it's also much more costly in person time and in working together time and in energy time. And we decided that since God was calling us to reach our region, that we would go multi-site and we'd be willing to sacrifice ourselves to do it. And why did we do that? I'm not going to get into it right now, but I'm going to tell you, if you read Philippians chapter 2, it talks about in humility, consider others better than yourself. It talks about in verses 5 through 11, uh, how we should be like Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself in love for us. And that we, as a, a spirit lake here in Spencer, would sacrifice ourselves in love for a, the rest of our region to try and open additional campuses. Other things we learned, uh, for instance, you need to know that at first we thought, well, there's plenty of churches in our region. Then we also learned that not a lot of them are all preaching the gospel. And then we also learned that even if you consider all the churches in our region, only one in seven people in our region would be considered church or an evangelical Christian. Six out of seven people in our region do not have or follow the gospel. So there is plenty of room to have more churches. And then as we began to put this together, it seemed like God raised up Spencer as the community where we'd launch another campus. And we got ready to, we hired Pastor Jordan in and we bought equipment and we did the research and where we could open the campus and a building and everything. We tried to put it together. And right before we went to launch the campus, we sort of came to this realization that we needed to do a real gut check. In the Spencer community, there were two churches already named Faith Church. At the time, our name was Faith Church. Now, we loved our name, had a great reputation with our name. It was near and dear to us. But to launch the third Faith Church in Spencer would be sort of unloving to those other churches and confusing to the entire community. And so we had to wrestle with this. Do we love our name or our mission more? Which one is more important for us as a church? And I am so proud to say that the leadership and the church body voted that we would change our name because we love our mission of being passionate for God, compassionate to our neighbor, and reaching our region. And we'll sacrifice ourselves if it helps us reach more people for Jesus Christ because the gospel is that important. And we became Crosswinds Church. 2013, three years ago, we opened our Spencer campus. It began with eight families. I don't know if you realize that today, each week in Spencer, there's 125 people that show up for church. That on Easter, there were 200 people at their, at their service. And if you talk to Pastor Jordan, he will tell you unashamedly, I am so thankful that we are a multi-site church. I'm so thankful that we work together to do more than we could ever do alone. Let me give you some of the things that have been so helpful with budgeting and financing and, and building searching and, and building leadership. It's been so helpful to be together. Each week, Pastor Jordan and I are researching the same text we're seeing illustrations and we're texting back and 
each other back and forth during the week, and we can preach better together, sharpening each other, than either of those could preach singly on our own. Life group worksheets, we do the same thing. Sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're different. We try to gain efficiencies by working together. Pastor Jordan will tell you, I am so thankful it's not just me by myself down here on my own. I get so much encouragement by us being connected together and working together. I get so much better when I have a group of people who are all praying for me and cheering me on. One of the things we love is our elder team. Our elder team is a combined elder team. What would it be like to be in the Spencer campus and have one elder? Because until this past week, they've only had one elder versus the team of elders working, praying, and shepherding together. Being a multi-site church has been a wonderful experience. It's a hard experience. It's a difficult experience. But it has launched another campus, a very healthy campus. Now, let me give you, just for the fun of it, a couple of the little taglines that I say around the office all the time to tell you about how we do multi-site, because it's a little different than the way multi-site is done traditionally in some other churches. Um, one, I'll just, this is not my notes, so I'll just tell you off the top. Um, I don't have a desire to put my face on a video around the community. I don't. My desire, quite honestly, is to take young men, develop them into pastors. Not just multiply campuses, but multiply pastors. That's my personal desire. I think that is healthier, and that is better, and that is a sustainable model. Uh, secondly, what we do is, I, I'm always saying this, my hope is that the Spencer campus it makes, is able to fly faster, higher, and farther because they're connected to us than if they were on their own. Whatever is a great leverage point about being connected, we want to use it. And if things aren't a leverage point, and actually they would uh, distract from you, then we don't want to use it. Let me give you an example of what may be unhealthy for the Spencer campus. We have a great Wednesday night Awana program. Love it. But right now, the Spencer campus doesn't have to be us. They don't have to have an Awana program with all the leaders and all the people and all the staff and resources drains it would take. So, you know, like, you don't have to have an Awana program right now. That's okay. And Awana is not necessarily core 100% of who we are. Ministering to children is. So, we allow diversity in that way. Now, that's a little bit about who we are in the past. The mission of our church, it made some crucial decisions. It's what began Awana to try and be a loving, generous people and to reach our region. It's what made us build a gym before a sanctuary. The mission of our church is what led to a concerted effort to pay down our debt so we could reach our region in ways we couldn't before. It's what led to us sacrificing to become a multi-site church to try and launch a campus in another community because people are driving from a distance. And guess what? This is the baton of Crosswinds Church. Our forefathers have carried that mission statement through for decades. 
now this baton is in our hands. It is your job and my job to stay true to the mission of this church and carry it forward in the next five to ten years. So five to ten years from now, we are not the same then as we are today. But we've become more passionate for Jesus Christ. We have become more compassionate to our neighbors. And the name of Christ is more famous in our region and around the world. Now, I'm going to take this baton. I'm going to pass it over here. And I want it to be passed around the entire congregation. I want every single person to get a chance to have their hand on this baton to realize that today is your day to carry this forward and to make the mission of the church um, actually take place. All right, pass her around. Now what I want to do is I want to tell you what is our vision as the leadership of the church for the next five years to carry this mission forward. And I want to invite you to get behind it so we can make it happen. Number one, what is our vision for the next five years when it comes to exploring the generosity of our God and developing our passion for God? Well, I'm going to tell you not much is going to change. We're still going to preach from the Word of God. Our Crosswinds University classes are still going to have their finger in the text. We're still going to do Awana. We're still going to do Crosswinds Kids. And we're still going to do life group worksheets that actually have Bible verses in it where you have to look them up and learn and grow in God's Word. But what we are going to do that's a little different is we are going to make a concerted effort to focus on developing spiritual men and women who are leaders, leaders for Jesus Christ, developing elders, developing leadership board members, developing ministry leaders to not just know your faith, but become leaders in your faith. And why is it so important that we develop uh, leaders? You'll see in just a moment because it's essential we have more spiritual spiritually mature leaders for us to carry out our vision in the next five years. The second thing we're going to focus on when it comes to the area of generous living, we want to really sharpen this as our church. We want to uh, actually focus on this whole idea of what does it mean for us to be compassionate to our, our community and to reach our community not just by knowing the Word of God, but by understanding Jesus and then having our lives be different in this community. This spring, in fact, Pastor Jordan and I are going to be doing a series called Generous Living. It's a simple three-week series. We're going to focus on the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we're going to look at uh, three things in that parable. How the Good Samaritan gave his time, his heart, and his finances. That's what generous living looks like. Because quite honestly... The most precious thing to each one of us is our time. There's very little of it. People know you care about them, and they know you love them when you actually give your time to them. You take an interest in them, make time to call them, make time to write them. In fact, this is going to be a major effort, that we would be a congregation known that our culture, where we actually make time for people. And we don't just make time but we actually give them our heart. Because you know what this is like, don't you? 
You can talk to somebody for five minutes, and in your brain you're going, okay, is this conversation over with yet? Because I really have many things to do. And you cannot engage your heart. But if we are going to be a people involved in generous living, we will not just give our time, but we will open up our heart to genuinely care about the people around us. And lastly, we often find we will open up our wallet to actually put our finances where our mouth is. And we're going to focus on that in the spring, but I wanted to give you a heads up on what that is. Now let me look at this third area, generous church and reaching our region. What are we going to focus on? Well, I already told you the first one, which is developing leaders. And that is because we want to continue to move forward. Here's B. In the next five years, we want to have a permanent Spencer campus facility. Now, let me put it to you this way. You guys may not realize this, but our Spencer campus is in a high school auditorium. Uh, Spencer High School is building a new auditorium that should be completed just about any time. And when that new auditorium is completed, we have no guarantee they will continue to allow us to use the old auditorium. Already, there's no desire for them, which I don't blame them, to put money in investments or upgrades. During worship services, water is just running in the roof onto the floor when it rains. You know, there's electrical problems. There's asbestos problems. So it's not a place that we can regularly stay. And as of June, guys, quite honestly, we don't have any guarantee that we could even be there anymore. The school system may let us there, and they may just say, you know what, there is too many facility issues. We just need to shut the building down now. That's a possibility. So this is one of the key parts we have to do in the next five years, is get a permanent facility for that campus. And just so you know, we have a building team that has been working very hard to find a facility in Spencer. And it is hard. There is not a lot of property that has a building on it that is available. About the only thing you can find is a green space, and then you have to drive pretty far out of town, and then you've got to pay really a lot of money. I'll give you an example. This fall, there was a property that came on the market. Uh, the building team heard about it. We agreed to meet. We were together in less than a meet. We were at the meeting discussing this building, whether we should pursue it or not. And we got a text message. The building was already sold. One week. That's because there's a real short supply of those kind of facilities in Spencer. And what this taught us is that as a church, we cannot do what is a traditional building program where you take time, you take months, and you take pledges, and you do this long roll into getting everything together because buildings like that are gone. And we're going to need to be nimble. We're going to need to be prepared financially. We're going to need to be quick and to be able to move on something when God opens those doors. And like I said, we're under time pressure to even figure out what will happen with the Spencer campus after June. So we're going to need to be prepared that way. Also in the next five years, one of our additional goals is we want to open a third campus. I don't know where this campus will be. Thank you. I don't know where this campus will be. It may be in Emmitsburg. We've heard talk of that. It may be in Jackson. We've had people that have talked about interest in another campus up that direction. I don't know. But it is in our five-year goals 
that God has been really good to us to gain great efficiency with two campuses. And we feel like the DNA structure of how we're doing multi-site is working really well. And people have actually called us, evangelical free churches have called us from around the country to find out how we're doing rural multi-site and it's working well. And we're helping them. So we're like, hey, if it's working, let's just keep going. So we'd like to open that additional campus. Another thing we'd like to do, and this is more, I'm saying, in the dream stage rather than in the concrete stage, that's to have a Saturday night service, what I would like to call an additional venue. I'm just floating the idea out there for you guys. I'm not committing to this yet, just floating it. But what we realize is on Saturday night, it's a time when a lot of young people are available looking for something to do in the summer. And Sunday morning, where are they doing? They're busy, working. And I've talked to a number of people who said, I can't make it to church. What happens if we did a Saturday night service in the commons, just from Labor Day to Memorial Day? Maybe a little bit different of a style, but the same kind of teaching put together, and just to really make it relevant to younger people during that summertime. We're thinking about that. If God has given us some blessing from multiple sites, would He not give us some blessing from multiple venues on the same site? We're just rolling that around in our mind. Lastly, what we're praying about is our goal for the next five years when it comes to reaching beyond our region. Pastor Jordan and I are praying that God will raise up from each campus a new full-time missionary that we can support. That in the next five years, we'll be sent out of Crosswind Spirit Lake. We'll be someone who has the DNA that we have, somebody who has the love for Jesus Christ that we have, that will go around someplace on the other side of the world and make Christ's name famous. And the same thing from the Spencer campus. So that is what we're praying about in the next five years. Now, there are some cultural things we're focusing on, which is generous living. We want to be a church that in response to what Christ has done for us, we give of our time and our heart and our finances to people. And people know that. There's not just some generous living cultural changes, but there's also some generous church changes where we're trying to help open multiple campuses and launch the Spirit Lake campus. And folks, to do this, let's face it, it's going to cost some money. It's going to cost some finances. And today I would like to introduce to you something the leadership board has put together, which is called the Crosswinds Legacy Fund. Next week, there's going to be some brochures that we're going to come out on the Crosswinds Legacy Fund. Um, but let me just tell you briefly what it is. It's a fund that you can give to, and we're going to encourage you to give to, that what will happen is the leadership board will have responsibility for those funds, and it'll go to about three things, either hiring staff, purchasing facilities, or opening additional campuses to make the vision of the future happen. And because we want to be true to our vision for the future and our mission of the church, every gift that is given to the Crosswinds Legacy Fund, 5% of that gift will be taken off to a special fund for benevolence to be able to help the elders can use for those who are in specially difficult benevolent needs that is above and beyond our resources that we face all the time. And 5% of that gift will go to a special missions fund 
that we're going to give to the missions team that they can help use to launch those missionaries out from our congregation to around the world. Now, while the brochures will be here next week, what I do have for you this week is a little video that was put together, a little video to introduce to you the Crosswinds Legacy Foundation. So I'll go ahead and show that to you now. Our mission at Crosswinds Church is passion for God, compassion for neighbor, reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. In our mission, we find our personal calling to share Christ through generous living. In our mission, we find our corporate commitment to multiply gospel-centered churches both here in our region and throughout the world. We have nearly 70,000 people within our footprint, but only 15% claim to believe in the gospel. That means six out of seven friends, family, and coworkers' lives remain untouched by Jesus Christ. Seeking the welfare of our communities and region is a commitment of our time, our heart, and finances to answering the call God has given to us to reach the lost. Our leadership has outlined several key priorities we strive toward to reach our vision. Some we have already accomplished, and some are yet to come. We created the Crosswinds Legacy Foundation to provide resources for our vision at Crosswinds Church. you to join us to discover more about how you can give to further the vision of Crosswinds Church. Informational meetings will be available at both campuses. More information will be available in your bulletins and at the connection desk. of our mission. It's been carried in the past. It is in each one of our hands today, and each one of you touched it. Uh, let me show you the ways I'm going to challenge you to respond very directly. It's right in the back of your bulletin. Number one, move from being a passenger to a crew member on the crosswind ship. Let me just challenge you that I know some of you come week after week. You enjoy the teaching of God's Word. You're encouraged in Christ, but you're not involved, connected, and committed to this Crosswinds family. 
if we are going to achieve our vision of being passionate for God, compassionate for our neighbor, and reaching our region, all of us need to work together. Get out of the stands, get onto the playing field, and join us. The first thing you need to do if you have not done this, I would encourage you to become a member of Crosswinds Church if you haven't already. Uh, why do you become a member? Because a member is a way of saying, you know what? I'm with Crosswinds. I, I buy this mission. Count me in. Both feet are in. In fact, there's a membership class, as I mentioned earlier, on January 9th. The best thing to do, just simply take your response card and check membership. I'll have my secretary call you and get you connected and join the church. Third, here's what I'd like you to do. I would like you to be a faithful attender at Crosswinds and somebody who faithfully gets involved at Crosswinds. What often happens is we have a church where people attend one or two Sundays a month. I want to challenge you to be a faithful attender at Crosswinds, to faithfully feed on the Word of God as it's taught here in, in, in the Crosswinds University classes. The other thing is I don't want you just to be committed to growing in Christ, but I want you to be committed to serving others in Christ. Even if you need to, just take baby steps. Say on the, your connection card, hey, can I help out at the coffee bar? I can do that. Can I help? I want to be an usher to help Kevin and the ushers. You know, maybe I can help in the sound booth. Maybe I could help on Wednesday night with Awana. Maybe I could help in the worship team because I play an instrument. Commit to not just receiving, but to giving back to the Crosswinds family. Don't just be a passenger. Be a crew member. Everybody needs to put their arms to the oars to make this thing take place. Fourthly, commit to living a generous lifestyle. And I know this is a little premature because we're going to make a whole focus on this in the spring. But we can start earlier. We don't have to start later. Commit to, and everybody, when you're talking to them, give them your time if they need it. Don't just blow them off. And when you're listening to them, open your heart. And if you sense that God is calling you to open your finances, be willing to do that. Next, I want to challenge everybody to participate in one of these Crosswinds Legacy Foundation meetings. The two that are on our campus are December 13th and December 18th. Now, I know what a number of you are saying. Okay, I know what that sounds like. That sounds like people who have tons of excess income and they don't know what they need to do with it for a tax write-off. So they go to these meetings and do a big tax write-off. No. The only way our, our mission and our vision are going to be achieved is if each one of us grabs this baton, each one of us works together, and we give and support in ways that we are able some can give generously when it comes to their finances. Some can give in a small way, but it's still a sacrificial way with their finances. Everyone working together is what we need to make this vision be accomplished. And lastly, I'd like to ask you to begin praying that God would raise up a missionary that he would send out from this campus and from the Spencer campus that we wouldn't just reach our region with the good news of Jesus Christ, but we would actually reach our world. The baton is in each one of our hands. The question is, five years from now, will we be the same as we are today, or will we be different? 
more passionate for Jesus Christ? Will we be known in our community as people who live generous lives, who give their time, their heart, and even their finances to others? And will we be known as a generous church who doesn't just build ourselves up, but we have sacrificed of ourselves, like Christ sacrificed himself in Philippians 2, to be able to work together to launch campuses and to open buildings in this region and ultimately even around the world for the glory of Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, as each one of us has touched this baton, we all realize that we are called by you to take the good news of the gospel to our city and to our region and to do it with our lives. I pray that you would help us to work together to do what we cannot do alone to make your name famous. And that today would begin a day in which we take the mission of our church and we live it in a new way and that we understand it. And that everyone here who is listening to the message would get on board and get behind the mission and make it happen. Because we have the most precious news of all, the news of Jesus Christ. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. What we're going to do is we're going to close this worship service by taking communion together. We're going to focus on God's incredible, incredibly generous love to us through Jesus Christ. And while you're taking communion and why it's being passed, I would like you to prayerfully think about how God may be calling you to respond to what He has done for you that we would do for Him to make His name famous. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Kurt's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us. And may God continue to enrich your life.